This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Massachusetts discussing a high school teacher's homicide. Then we'll talk about a case of sex, slaughter, and Satanism. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Bay State. A teacher is someone who helps students acquire knowledge, competence, or virtue via the practice of teaching. A teacher doesn't just teach. They inspire and encourage their students to be their best selves. This can have a very high impact on a student. Some of our most influential and life-changing role models are our teachers. For most of us, we all had or have a teacher, elementary, high school, or college, that really made a difference in our lives, one who made us feel seen and heard. But for some, there is a teacher who just rubs them the wrong way. Or maybe they don't have any reason at all to dislike their teacher. They just do. In January of this year, A six-year-old student shot and wounded his teacher in Virginia during an altercation inside his first-grade classroom. In April, two Iowa teens pled guilty to killing their high school Spanish teacher with a baseball bat because one of them was upset about a bad grade. Why do these kids kill? We all struggle to make sense of a senseless act of pure evil when it's committed by a child like the one in my story today. 24-year-old Colleen Ritzer was born May 13, 1989, and grew up in Andover. She had a younger sister and a younger brother who she was very close to. She attended Assumption College in, I'm going to mispronounce this, Worcester? No, Worcester. 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 Okay. She attended Assumption College in Worcester. (laughs) Worcester. Yep, we're trying. That place, Massachusetts, where she majored in math and minored in psychology. After graduation, she moved back in with her parents while she was working on her master's in education. She took a job at a middle school where she worked for about a year before accepting a job at Danvers High School. Colleen began teaching geometry and algebra. So Danvers is about 30 minutes outside Boston. And fun fact, Danvers was actually part of Salem Village, as in the Salem Witch Trials. Okay. So 60 years after the trials, it was renamed Danvers. So there there you go. Colleen was adored by her students and coworkers. She made math fun, and her students thrived. She was not a regular teacher. She was a cool teacher. (laughs) It's very rare, I feel like, for a math teacher. No offense. It's very cool for math to be fun and unusual. I didn't have that experience. Me, Me neither. So in October of 2013, it was just like any other October in Massachusetts, which... Is like heaven to me from all the pictures I've seen. I've never been there. 
Yeah, I, I've been there. Did you go to Worcester? No. <laughs> I was in Boston. Oh, okay. But it was in October. It was, was pretty it lovely. Yeah. I had some clam chowder. No. It was nice. So on this particular day, Colleen stayed after school. There were two students in her classroom, one girl that was drawing on her whiteboard, and there was a boy named Philip Chisholm. Colleen wasn't sure why he was there, but her students would hang out sometimes after class. She kind of, I mean, she was 24, so she kind of yeah. gave that big sister vibe, mm-hmm. so it was their safe space. She told a coworker that she wasn't quite sure why Philip was there. He didn't need any help on any schoolwork, and he was just kind of sitting there and not really talking. So, Philip was a new student. He had transferred from Tennessee earlier that semester. He hadn't made very many friends yet. He played on the school soccer team and had quickly become their leading scorer, but he wasn't one of the bros just yet. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. His teammate said he was the nicest kid on the team. Despite this, he was not happy that he had moved across the country. Right. He had left all of his friends and his girlfriend, and they were both very heartbroken when he had to leave. I mean, this is a tough age to have to... I could not have imagined what... He's 14. 14, yeah. So he's moved, started a new school where he knew no one. But he was a good kid. There was... No red flags, no McDonald's triad shit going mm-hmm. on here. He didn't make any waves. There were no behavioral issues. His parents had been on and off again. They had moved from Tennessee to Florida, back to Tennessee, just his mom and his two younger sisters. Hmm. And they all shared a room. Like they all slept in the same room together. Then they moved to Massachusetts. So, This seemed to be a very triggering experience for Mm -hmm. him. When Colleen didn't come home after work, her parents became very concerned. They called her cell phone. There was no answer. So they drove to the school and found her car still there. They checked her classroom. She wasn't there. And she wasn't the type to go out after work without telling her parents. So they knew that something was Mm. off. They weren't able to find her or any of her belongings at the school, so they contacted the police and report her missing. So at the same time all of this is going on, Philip's mother also contacted the police. He did not show up for soccer practice that day, which was not like him at all. He is a minor, so the police immediately start searching for him. The school is contacted. And they start searching for 14-year-old Philip. Another coworker contacts the principal and says, Hey, Colleen is missing too. I saw him in her classroom after school, so maybe they're together. I mean, maybe. So then everybody's mind's kind of like, was there something fishy going on between these two? Did they go off together? So they start searching the school, and in the woman's restroom, they find bloody smears, which is not good. So they keep looking. Around midnight, someone calls into the police department that they saw a suspicious person walking down the street, and it's 14-year-old Philip. Police pull up. He has blood on his hands. 
They search him and find Colleen's credit card and driver's license on him. He says he took them from inside her car. So this is the town next to Danvers. They didn't know that Colleen was missing. Right. They call in to the police department. He eventually tells them their name, where he's from. They call in the police department. They say, oh, he's he's been missing. And they're like, oh, well, we found him. We'll hold him at the police station until you get here to pick him up. Got it. So they have assumed he has broken into her car and stole these things. So they start questioning him and asking him, like, what's in your backpack? Is there anything in there that we should know about? Anything that might hurt you or us? And he told them, yes. Inside his backpack, they find Colleen's panties, her purse, and a box cutter that is covered in blood. They ask him whose blood is this, and he tells them it's the girl's. Danvers is on their way. They ask him, you know, where is this girl? And he tells them she's in the woods. So they take his clothes and shoes for evidence. Philip's mother comes down to the police station and she is freaking out. So she goes to the Danvers police station when they let her know, we're going to pick him up. He's in the next town over. She shows up there. She's freaking out. And the first thing out of her mouth is, oh, my God, did he kill someone? Please tell me it isn't his teacher. Oh, my gosh. He hates his Spanish teacher. Well, she is. She was a math teacher. She was the math teacher. Right. She then tells them that he is a minor and he needs an attorney present with him before they can question him. So she's very adamant about this. When he finally gets to the Danvers Police Department. She, you know, goes up to him. She's trying to talk to him. He will not talk to his mother. He won't look at her. You know, she's trying to get him to say anything because they still have not found Colleen. They don't know where she's at. The police come in and again, she tells them she wants an attorney not to question her child. He is a minor and they need an attorney present. So she knows her rights. Right. But... You know, basically, when the parent is telling you all of this, shut the fuck up. Stop trying to ask them questions. But the cops don't. They keep trying because it's, you know, kind of a pressing matter that we find the teacher. Do you know anything about her? Like maybe she's still alive. Maybe she's still alive. Philip agrees to talk, but only if his mother leaves the room. So she signs the paper waiving his Miranda rights. Wait. So it's her decision to sign the papers? He's a minor, so yes. Why'd she sign the papers? Because they're trying to find her, Mm -hmm. and he won't say anything at all. So for her to leave the room, she has to sign Mm. the paper waving, basically, because he can't be questioned without an adult. Yeah. Or Mm. in the presence of an attorney. Uh Uh-huh. Like you said, there's... She still could be alive. Yeah. They don't know where she's at. They just found this knife with blood. He's not talking. So she leaves and he tells the police that very bad things happened and that she had said something to him that was triggering and he knocked her out and stabbed her and he thought she was dead. 
He tells the police where he smashed his and Colleen's cell phones and then draws a diagram to where her body can be found. He tells them he knew exactly where to stab her to make her bleed out. He said he went to the movies and got some fast food afterwards with her credit card. His motive? He said, after she insulted me, that's when I became the teacher. What? And he removed her pants to humiliate her and that it wasn't a sexual thing. He went on to tell them exactly what he had done. And he showed little to no emotion or remorse, according to the police. He was very cooperative, though, and very polite during the interrogation. So, at this point, it's 3 a.m. Search team gets to the school and around the area with canines, helicopters with spotlights, and infrared. The search has now broadened to the woods surrounding the area, and this is where they find Colleen. She is partially covered in leaves. She is naked from the waist down, and her shirt is pulled up, exposing her breasts. She is covered in scratches stabs, blood, and dirt. There was trauma to her neck, like she had been strangled, and then her throat had been slit. She had been stabbed multiple times, and there was a stick inserted inside her vagina. Next to her body, they found a handwritten note that said, I hate you all. Not far from where her body was found, there was a trash can, kind of like the ones that you have like the city provides with the lid that's attached and it is covered in blood and inside is a pair of gloves. So they pull the CCTV footage from the school and it shows Colleen walking from her classroom to the women's restroom and Philip following slowly behind her. You see him put his hood up and gloves on before he walks in to the bathroom. They are in there around 11 minutes. During this time, Philip attacks the 24-year-old teacher with the box cutter, stabbing her, strangling her, and raping her before cutting her throat. They find his semen inside of her. Another student is seen on camera entering the women's bathroom, but she quickly turns around and walks out. What? She is later questioned and says she saw a naked foot and thought that there were some students in there after school getting busy. Yeah. And she was like, oopsie, and just turned around and left. Oh, gosh. Because, I mean, it's like four o'clock, students stay after school. So she's like, oh, shit, I've I've walked in on somebody. Ah, didn't see anything, Mm -hmm. and leaves. Philip is then seen dragging a trash can down a hall and into the bathroom where he stuffs his teacher's body inside before wheeling it through the hallways into the parking lot and across campus and out into the woods. This is all on CCTV. And I watched um, a thing on YouTube about this case and you see all of this footage, all of this CCTV footage. He walks by so many people just pulling this trash can with his hood up and people are just going about their business. He passes a guy that's walking a dog and he like moves out of the way. So to let Philip by and he's probably bloody, right? Like, I mean, he's dirt. You can see that he's dirty. 
So once he is out in the woods, he dumps Colleen's body and then sexually assaults her with a stick. And it wasn't anything sexual, according to him. According like, to him. rape her and... Um, and then rape her again. Gross. So 25 minutes later, he is seen returning to the school on CCTV footage. He is barefoot. He goes back into the bathroom and changes into shorts and a sweatshirt, grabs his bag and Colleen's purse from the classroom before leaving. He heads across town, ditching her phone and his on the way, buys a movie ticket using Colleen's credit card, and watches a movie. I know. It's insane. I mean, I guess he is 14, but I'm like, this is so yeah. many mis- Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a mess. So over a 1,000 people attend Colleen's funeral. 400 of those were students from Danvers High School. Her parents and everyone who knew her are completely devastated. It's just completely senseless and horrible. While awaiting trial, Philip is held at the state juvenile facility. He also has to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. While he was there, Philip attacked and attempted to murder a 29-year-old Department of Youth service worker. The female staff member is seen heading to the bathroom, and he follows her exactly like he did Colleen. What in the world? Yeah. He had a sharpened pencil in his hand, and when she came out, he was standing there like something out of a scary movie. It's like he has an impulse. Yeah. Did you see... um, Rob Zombie's Halloween. He remade it. Yeah, but it's been a long time. It reminds me a lot of that. You know, it's like the start of Michael yeah. Myers. Like he's in a juvenile detention facility mm-hmm. and he's attacks. This is very similar. Ugh. Not that I'm comparing this kid to Michael Myers. Yeah. I'm just saying it reminded mm-hmm. me of it. Anyway, so he grabs her by the throat and starts to strangle this girl, this woman. She gets one of his hands off of her neck, and then he punches her in the head, face, and jaw. She is able to scream at this point, and some of the other workers are able to run in and get him off of her. He's pretty strong for... He's like six foot. Oh, man. So he does definitely looks older than his age. He is charged with assault and attempted murder for this attack. So, Philip's trial begins in November of 2015. He is 16 at this point. His attorney does not dispute that he did, in fact, kill Colleen, but he said he was having a psychotic break after Colleen had mentioned the state of Tennessee. Another student testified that when Colleen mentioned Tennessee, Philip became visibly upset and began mumbling to himself. I mean, it was a rough move. His parents were getting divorced, and it was not amicable. Uh-huh. So maybe that's what triggered him. They asked for a not guilty by reason of insanity. They mentioned his family did have a history of mental illness, and he most likely suffered from them as well. A psychiatrist testified for the defense that Philip probably had early onset schizophrenia, probably started around age 10, but it was undiagnosed, and that this could be the reason he committed this horrible crime. 
up until this point, he had been a well-behaved boy. And he was just literally one month into high school. The psychiatrist who observed him in the clinic said he was in a depressive state and he suffered from a brief or transient psychotic break. The prosecutor's psychiatrist testified that their test results said he was pretending, attempting to demonstrate that he was mentally ill. They did not think he was suffering from anything on the date that he murdered Colleen. He was upset, but not impaired to the point that his ability to know right Mm -hmm. from wrong was skewed. They also said this was clearly premeditated. He brought a ski mask, box cutter, and gloves to school that day in his backpack. That's interesting because he claimed it was just she said something. Yeah. Mm, But he had all that stuff on him. Makes me wonder if he planned to kill her or just anybody. That's very... I mean, his mom said he hated his Spanish teacher. Hmm. So, his defense disagreed with the medical examiner's findings that Colleen had already passed away before the tree branch incident in the Mm -hmm. woods. So, he should be acquitted of that charge. What? Uh -uh. Yes. So, you have to... You can't be charged with um, the. I'm, I'm completely blown away. Like it's not rape. Well, he did rape not her, but rape it's not rape in that instance. In that instance, after. if she's already but deceased, it's still like desecrating the corpse. Of course, so exactly. it can be something else. Well, they didn't. Char- they didn't charge him with that. <sighs> yeah. So life sentences without parole for minors have been found unconstitutional in the state of Massachusetts. So Philip could not be sentenced to life in Colleen's murder. The jury rejected his insanity plea, and he was sentenced to 40 years for the rape and 40 years for the robbery charge and 25 years for murder. He was not convicted of aggravated rape. That's the charge. Aggravated rape. Yes. He wasn't charged with that because the medical examiner could not say with 100% certainty that she was alive during that attack. So he will be in his 50s before he is eligible for parole. Colleen's family established the Colleen E. Ritzer Scholarship in her honor, and it has awarded over $370,000 to 82 future teachers in the state of Massachusetts. So it's always super terrible when you hear or read or see about these kids who commit these horrible crimes it just seems like everyone very few times i should say do they say well i knew there was something off about him yeah it's usually instances like this where they're freaky where they're going he was a good kid i don't know what happened they just snapped Mm. i don't know so it kind of makes you go what is going on that we're not kids who kill freak me out. It's like, terrifying, especially the little ones. Oh my like gosh. the six year old who took the gun to school and shot his yeah. teacher first grade. And when you watch interviews of those children, it is one of the scariest things to me. Just brings up the whole Ugh. nature versus nurture argument. Yeah. I don't know. It's awful. Like you said, when any, anybody kills anybody, but it's very hard to comprehend a child. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to be bat- mad at 
a 40-year-old man than it is yeah. a six-year-old child for murder. Yeah. Anyways. Gosh. I've not heard of that case. I haven't either. And then whenever I was looking it up, I found all these, you know, shows on YouTube mm-hmm. where people had made them. And there's a couple different podcasts about it. But I feel like when you when you listen to podcasts about stories like this or any story, really, the information varies so drastically yeah. in some instances, you know, like days and ages and, mm-hmm. and charges. And it's, it's interesting to me. But, yeah, I watched all these. I say all these. There's like three or four of these YouTube videos that have the CCTV footage or footage from like court and stuff. And it's very eerie to see. Yeah. I'm normally not interested in watching stuff like mm-hmm. that, but I kind of want to see this it's, for some reason. Well, I mean, you don't see any of the crime. Right. No, place. not that. It's, it's just, just like how he's just very nonchalant. Just that's so strange. Very sneaky, hanging back, following her. And it's like, we can see. Yeah. That's terrifying. He's what, and we know what he's going to do. Yeah. And she's just, Walking down the hall, carefree, out of her classroom. That's a nightmare. It's horrifying. Anyways. Well, let's take a quick break. Okay, mine is definitely different than yours. Good. Maybe that's good. I don't know. So my case today was recommended to me by Sherry from Massachusetts. She gave us a few recommendations. But she described this as the satanic cult killings in Fall River that were pinned on a sociopathic lesbian pimp. And I thought, okay, um, I need to know more. A lesbian pimp? Yes. She also said that her late mother hung out with this woman back in the day. So I'm going to have to circle back and ask her about this now that I know more of the story. So let's dive in. There are so many cases tied to the satanic panic. Some of you may be a little too young to remember, but in general, it was one of the most prolonged mass media scares in history. Early in the 1980s, baseless conspiracy theories about cults committing mass child abuse spread around the country. Talk shows and news programs fanned fears, and the authorities investigated hundreds of allegations. Even as cases slowly collapsed and skepticism prevailed, defendants went to prison Families were traumatized and millions of dollars were spent on prosecutions. In May of 1985, 2020 ran a segment on Satan worship that described animal mutations clearly used in some kind of bizarre ritual, rock music associated with the devil worship, satanic graffiti, and backward messages in pop songs. I'm sure you remember that about playing oh. a record backwards. And oh, and it's, it yeah. It gives you all these, yeah. People were wary of goth kids, thought metal music was from the devil, and thought Dungeons and Dragons was some sort of demonic gateway game. I totally remember when I was little, everyone thinking, oh, the goth kids at the fair are probably going to go kill animals. I That's just like, uh, yeah, that's really what, as a kid, I heard adults think. I really, I was, so I was afraid of the goth kids too. On October 13th, 1979, The body of a 17-year-old girl named Doreen Levesky was discovered behind the Diamond Vocational High School in Fall River. So you may remember the town name of Fall River because that's where Lizzie Borden lived. 
Oh, I was thinking yeah, it was a Fall River. A, I knew it was a scary something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Doreen had previously been reported as a runaway from a New Bedford foster home and was allegedly a sex worker. On the night of her murder, she had traveled to Fall River to work a job with another sex worker named Gail. Witnesses reported seeing Doreen being intoxicated downtown at several establishments. When her body was found, her wrists were tied with fishing line. She had been stabbed in the head multiple times, and her head was caved in from a rock, and there was evidence that she had been sexually tortured. She also had something shoved up her vagina. Yeah. I I feel like lately that's been a common theme, which is so gross. It's like the final F you. I don't know. No. It's just very, it's such a violating. Yeah. It's just, mm mm-mm. Yeah. The county medical examiner determined that the crime was likely committed by multiple people and that there was a ritual element to her wounds. It also appeared like she had been stoned to death. Like that was the cause. Oh, my God. Yeah. A month later, 22-year-old Barbara Raposa was reported missing in Fall River by her boyfriend, Andy Maltius. Barbara was a 19-year-old single mother with a history of, of drug abuse and sex work. She was reported missing on November 7, 1979 by her father after she failed to pick up her son from a babysitter. She was last seen around 8.15 p.m. by a male friend who dropped her off in downtown so that she could work. Her boyfriend Andy told police he believed her disappearance had something to do with the cult of devil worshippers who controlled the local vice trade and took orders from Satan himself. Okay, is the vice trade, is that prostitutes? I don't know. The local vice trade. I've never really heard that phrase before. A moral depravity or corruption. That's Hmm. what a vice is. But it doesn't say what the vice trade is. Maybe women or drugs? I'm not sure. When pressed for more information, Andy revealed that he was a convicted pedophile Sexual sadist and rapist. However, he claimed to have recently converted to Christianity after previously worshipping Satan. He said that he and Barbara were both members of a local satanic cult and that Doreen was as well. To prove it, he offered to arrange a meeting between the police and two other members of the cult, Karen Marsden and Robin Murphy. So the local police talked with the women and the women tell them that they're lovers and live together. At some point, Robin told them that Andy had been molesting her since she was 11 years old. Oh, God. Yeah. After hours of questioning, Karen had a breakdown and said that a man named Carl Drew killed Doreen. Wouldn't you know it, Carl was a familiar name with police. He was only 26 years old but he was a known violent pimp in the Fall River and New Bedford area. He was initially a runaway from his dad's New Hampshire farm at the age of 14. He allegedly ran away because he was forced, and this grosses me out, he was forced to wade through rotting carcasses of butchered livestock to separate hives and hooves for rendering. Oh, Nothing would make me a vegetarian faster than that. Like, ugh. The smell, I can't even think about it. So he eventually became Doreen's pimp. According to Karen, she said that Carl claimed that he was Satan himself. 
and that his prostitution ring was actually a devil-worshipping cult. She said he regularly took sex workers into the forest to hold nightly rituals and sacrifices. She said that once he threatened to inject battery acid into her veins and offer her soul to Satan if she ever betrayed him. On January 26, 1980, the frozen body of Barbara was discovered in the woods behind an abandoned factory. She had been raped, and her skull was crushed in with a stone. Yeah. Again, oh, my stone. God. After this discovery, Andy contacted the police and claimed to have had a psychic vision of the location of Barbara's body, as well as the time and manner of her death. So, of course, because of this, he was arrested and charged with murder. While police had him in custody, 17-year-old Robin Murphy, who they questioned before, came forward with some interesting claims. She said that she was there during Doreen's murder, and she was willing to testify against Andy in exchange for immunity in both cases. She testified that Andy had raped and killed Barbara out of jealousy and left her to crawl away into the woods before driving off with her in the vehicle. Two months later, the remains of a human skull had been unearthed near Devol Pond. Forensics determined it belonged to Karen Marsden. Karen Marsden was a 20-year-old mother and sex worker in the Fall River area who had frequent contacts with police. On February 9, 1980, Karen refused to identify Doreen's killer, refused an offer of witness protection, and asked police to drop her off at a church in Fall River. Karen was reported missing the following day by her grandmother, so they obviously knew yeah. the cops were talking to her, even though she didn't say anything. Another local sex worker who claimed to be involved in Carl Drew's satanic cult was Carol Fletcher. She stepped forward to point the finger at Carl and Robin. During questioning, Robin told the police that the cult killed every 30 days or so on the full moon. What? Yeah. She also said the group spoke in tongues, conjured demons, and offered human sacrifices to Satan. They used torture to force the victim into a maximum state of emotional arousal, that's a quote, which they believe resulted in an especially potent sacrifice. So creepy and gross. Robin also admitted to participating in in the murder of Karen Marsden. She said that the victim's hair and fingernails were ripped out. Not the fingernails? Yeah, and her head was chopped off before being kicked around like a football. Oh, God. It's just straight-up torture. Robin pleaded guilty to her participation in Karen's murder and accepted a life sentence in exchange for testifying against Carl Drew. The prosecutors painted her as a frightening pimp even though she was 17 at the time. Carl was tried for the murder of of Donna and Karen in March of 1981 and was convicted to life in prison. Andy also received a life sentence and ended up in prison. Robin was released in 2004, but returned to prison in 2011 after allegedly violating her parole. She was last eligible for parole in 2017 and was denied. So Sylvia, who was a young detective at the time helping investigate the murders, 
testified then that she should remain in prison. He claims she still poses a danger to society if released. Prosecutors once informed him that she threatened his life in a letter that she sent from prison. He said, 12 or 15 years ago, she wrote in a letter that she was going to eat pizza and then kill me. I mean, at least not reversed. Right. Kill him and then eat the pizza. Or put him on the pizza. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's I, bizarre. Nothing would surprise me with this story mm-hmm. at this point. Sylvia always described Robin as the mastermind in all three killings and claimed she manipulated everyone. One of Barbara's friends, Patricia, agreed to the claim and called her a narcissistic, psychopathic, sociopathic liar. Several people thought that Robin was the ringleader because she was in love with Barbara, and Barbara was in love with Andy. Robin had admitted that she and Barbara had previously been lovers. Some believe that she also killed Andy because of the two previous murders, because he was at the scene of those murders and she might have been worried he would squeal or say something, screw things up and get them convicted. And there's a whole rabbit hole online about how Carl is completely innocent of all the murders and that it was all Robin, but no one actually knows for sure. There's a four-part docuseries that was produced by Blumhouse. Is it Blumhouse? I say Bloomhouse. Yeah, I do too. But now that I look at it, I'm like, it Bloom? <laughs> anyway, it was produced just in 2021 about this case. It's called Fall River. And Sherry said she believed that she watched it on Epics, which I don't have that right now, but maybe I can get a trial. The docuseries asks the viewer, what is the truth? Were the girls victims of evil fanatics or just criminals play acting Satan worship? Like to scare them into place, you know? Yeah. Or the stories of Satan worship in the forest real or just urban myths. I haven't watched it yet because I don't have ethics. But I'm interested for sure. So they think, or this person said that they may have just been like pretending to be so devil worshippers to like. Since it was like in the very beginning of Satanic mm-hmm. Panic, there, a theory is... They were using that to scare the women into obeying them and being part of their cult, their ring, cult, whatever you want to call unquote. it, that they didn't actually think they were Satan. I don't know. It's Either way. It's, it's weird. weird. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. So that's that. I don't love that. I don't like devil worshipy shit. <laughs> I mean, to me, it is scarier being a part of something like that than just being and it makes chainsaw you, massacred. And it makes you wonder, even if it's not real devil worship, if it's being acted out as devil worship, then what's, what's the, the difference? difference? Yeah. You know, torture is torture. Yeah. It's still and I really hate it freaking. so much. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Anyways. We have some new patrons. <gasps> Fantastic. Yes. So let me see. And all the pins are in. All the pins. We have Kate G. from Virginia. Hey, Kate. Thank you, Kate. She is the um, the, the yellow pin up there. Oh. Thank you. And we have Taylan H. from Australia. What? I don't... The Aussies like us, I think. It's... I don't know. It's our accents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Taylan. We appreciate that. And I mailed out all the stickers yesterday. 
So be on the lookout. And if you've been a patron for a minute and you haven't gotten any stickers, let us know. We want to make sure you get them. Yeah, definitely. I can forget. Hmm. It can happen. Very cool. Are you going to tell me about your Taylor Swift? Well, just three by five it. Three by five. I was a part of Nashville night three. And if you know anything about Swifty land, that's the night it freaking rained. Yeah. We got there around 3.30. Doors were open. We were excited. We were getting our snacks. We're ready to go. Was it a madhouse at 3 o'clock when you got there? No, not really. Much lines weren't that bad. Oh, Concessions awesome. weren't bad. We were kind of like, oh, fine, whatever. Yeah. Bathrooms weren't bad. And then at about 5.30, we started getting the alerts. It started lightning. And Nissan, and I'm sure most outdoor stadiums have a rule that if it's yeah. lightning within seven miles of the stadium, they can't have performances. Mm-hmm. So it was lightning, and then it started pouring, raining. It was the sky was black. We were in a wind tunnel for about thirty minutes. Oh, my friend Zach had has that moment TikToked. Um, were y'all freaking out? I was just like annoyed. Is this canceled? Is it on? Is it right? Of course, like they can't predict the weather. No mm-hmm. one can predict the weather. So we're like, okay, well, what happens if it's delayed are they still going to have the openers is she going to play her whole set so anyway we got the all clear at like 9 30 something i cannot that's like five hours we're all jam-packed i can't believe you waited that long i mean i know she's your like she's my lover no right but um i don't know that i love anybody and would have stayed i feel like i would have left it was crowded it was hot the bathrooms were not there was no line though for the bathrooms I'm surprised that no one was like holed up in the bathroom if it was. Oh, there were a ton of people just sitting in the bathroom and I'm like, ew. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we traded some friendship bracelets with people, did that kind of thing. I ate a thousand snacks. (laughs) I'm surprised I wasn't puking. I ate movie theater popcorn, M&M's. I can't even remember what else. But yeah, we got the all clear and we're all like screaming bloody murder like, oh my gosh. And of course, even then we're like. Is she going to play the whole set? Because her set's 45 songs, three hours. Like, yeah. Over three hours. Yeah. They canceled the openers, of course, because that's just, we would have been there until freaking 5 a.m. Yeah. But so we get out there. It takes them a while to set up the stage. You're like, they have these scrapers mm-hmm. getting off just gobs of water mm-hmm. off the stage. It stopped raining. So she starts performing, right? We're all freaking out and it starts raining again. <gasps> Were y'all like, Every oh time my God. Well, then it, it kept lightning throughout her show and everyone around was just looking around and it was kind of like everyone was pretending it wasn't happening. <laughs> You're like, don't, maybe you don't mention it. No one else will know. It was so, every time it lightning, we're like every, so between every era, there was like a, a, a production on the screen and stuff. And uh-huh. there was a pause every time we thought they were going to be like, we, so we need to take cover because there's lightning. Cause you could see it in the sky. Same as before. <sighs> The anxiety. And every time we're just like, and funny enough, when she was singing all too well, when she says, fuck the patriarchy, it lightning. Shut up. Hilarious. She is weather. Were you, were you tear streaming? I, I didn't cry shockingly, but I had the best time. She, she sang her little heart out in the pouring rain. (laughs) She really did. She really did. I was like, I couldn't do it. Her. And underrated, and I didn't even think about this, her dancers are so cool. Like, yeah. I don't know. That was fun. I love a backup dancer. Yeah, they were all so fun, and you yeah. could tell they were having a good time. And um, one, I was like, oh, Jake would love love him. 
immediately. <laughs> Shirt off in the pouring rain. He would have stormed he the been stage. Like, yes, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> but it was so funny. But the backup dancers were cool. It was a great show. We, to quote Taylor, we looked like river otters. Oh, God. And she got a hair in her mouth at one point. And she's like, oh, this hair is aggressive. <laughs> and while she was playing one of her secret songs at the piano, it, that's one moment it was pouring. She's like, my foot keeps slipping on this pedal. And she's like fixing her shoe and stuff. What was the secret song? Would have, could have, should have, which is on her new. Don't know it. New city. But I was stoked because one of my favorite bands is The National. Uh-huh. And Aaron Dessner, uh-huh. who is the guitarist from The National, he helped her write some of the songs on a few of her CDs. He played guitar during that song. So I was freaking out. Everyone's like, who's that guy? I'm like, shut up. Go home. Shut up. Fairweather <laughs> fan. Shut up. You better know who that man is. <laughs> and then it was mine, what she did on piano. So. So I was stoked to see Aaron Desmond. Wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Despite the five-hour delay. the shit show that I it was. I cannot even. I'm very proud of you guys. They are clearly your biggest fan, Taylor. I know you're listening. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how she, I'm like the next day we're all in bed. Like, Oh, I'm like, how do you think she feels after that's the third night in a row doing that up and like no breaks? No, just like her changing little out. She changed her outfit a million times. I'm like, she has no time. And we get out of breath walking up oh my stairs God. to I'm record. Like, and in between each one of our times to talk. I know. So could you I imagine? Barely breathe right now. Singing and I'm just, just talking continually. No. In the rain. No. And the lightning. Man, not lightning. Man, freaking. I will not be booking a concert in an outdoor stadium, maybe ever. I'll fly somewhere for it's a sure dicey. thing. It's too dicey. That is the most stressed I've ever been in my life. It's like, are we going to waste a whole trip? Took We all took off like work on Monday. We traveled there. We got the hotel. It's just like. So for and the me, money for the tickets. Oh, everything. For me, it was better that we saw it delayed than if it was rescheduled. Sure. It's like, well, do all that prep again. I'm well, and if they reschedule, it would probably be next year. Yeah. Ugh. Nightmare city. I would have been so mad. I know some people were like, I wish it was rescheduled, but. You're like, we're here. Too I'm fucking like, bad. We're going to stay. We're staying. I'm like, I wouldn't believe in anyone else. She's going to perform for us. I know her. It's like she's Santa. She's not going to let me down personally. No, I don't have a parasocial relationship. Shut up. Oh, my gosh. I'm eager to hear all about your scary Mississippi time. I know you're going to elaborate in the patron episode, but what's a three by five? Um, Three by five is. You took home Haunted Moss. I did still haunted. I, well, still, I did still. Oh I did still moth from the cemetery tree. Dun, dun, dun. But I feel like, in my defense, okay, that it's like it grows wild, like a wildflower. So, what's the difference in picking that or just picking a wildflower or picking yeah. a four leaf clover? Yeah, true. off of not a grave. Off of a grave. But I didn't pick it. It wasn't on a grave. Yeah, it was just okay. So, um, you did make Mississippi look fun. Mississippi was fun. Uh, a couple uh, little notes to to pass on is there is nowhere to stop between Sumner, Mississippi, and Vicksburg. I believe it. None. It's there hard are, to find a good gas station there, in Mississippi. There are gas stations, but none that I would have stopped at. Exactly. I'll no, just say I know. That. I know what you mean. Also, the state of Mississippi has a vendetta against Diet Coke. It's 
Diet Pepsi everywhere. I don't know who started the rumor that Diet Dr. Pepper was a comparable alternative to Diet Coke because it is not. It's not the same. And when I would say, can I get a Diet Coke? Diet Pepsi? No. Oh, we have Diet Dr. Pepper. That's the same. It's not the same. What? It's not the same. Hmm. So, two things. No gas stations. No Diet Coke. I felt really slided for a little bit. But then I found a dive bar and got drunk. So, it was all safe. Yeah. (laughs) There were ghosty things. It was fun. I I would do it again. Yeah. I think I would. It was hot. It looked muggy. Very muggy and hot. Mm -hmm. Um... No, it was good. It was a good time. Well, that's good. I had fun. I met a lot of uh, locals and mm. people who were also traveling. So I made some friends and I asked the locals their haunted stories. Oh, I love that. So it was a good time. If you aren't on Patreon, join it if you want to hear Ashley's whole breakdown of this. Oh, I'm going to get raw. Mississippi <laughs> ghost hunt extravaganza. It was fun. Three days of just driving. Did and you find yourself? I <laughs> did not. I will tell you, I became strangely obsessed with cemeteries. Oh, okay. Just the architecture in the mm-hmm. Mississippi cemeteries. No, I get that. Are so beautiful. They're so mm-hmm. well kept, and and I think it's because there wasn't a bunch of bullshit on the graves. You know, like flowers and stuff. Like you weren't allowed to put oh, you know, bullshit out there. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, because I know that people. I have a niece that passed away, mm-hmm. and so no disrespect, because I know that my my sister and her mm-hmm. other daughter will take pinwheels out yeah, there yeah. or, you know, they have wind chimes hanging at Christmas. They'll mm-hmm. put up a little Christmas tree. So no disrespect to people. Right. But I think that's probably what made this so, I guess, beautiful to mm-hmm. me is it was a very clean, very yeah. headstones. And there were a lot of statues, which mm-hmm. I thought were gorgeous. Yeah. I like that too. But and a lot of like wrought iron fences around yeah. entire families. Yeah. Like this is our spot. I've never really out. examined Mississippi cemeteries, but I used to. I mean, who does besides well, me? Like a weird. Well, I used to when we would go to Georgia and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Those cemeteries. That's what it makes me think yeah. of. Similar statues. There's mm-hmm. beautiful trees. Mm-hmm. And Lots of trees. Yeah, and I love old cemeteries. Yeah, very. A uh, lot of. Uh, ominous creepy mm-hmm. things but and like little girl statues they have sometimes it's so creepy so there was one headstone and i'm gonna read it to you it was I, I just took a picture of it because i'm a weirdo because it made me tear up hmm. so it was this giant i mean it's huge i'm showing you a picture mm. it's really tall and big and so it's got all these it looks like Stars. Oh, that's pretty. It's very pretty, which is what made me stop. And it says um, on the back of it, and when he has died, take him and cut him out in little stars, and he will make the face of heaven so fine that all the world will be in love with the night. And it's a Shakespeare, William Shakespeare quote. And it was a child. And no, on the front, it says, precious boy, you will always Mm. be so loved and missed. Of course, I'm in a million pieces. People driving by, mm-hmm. I think this is my child because I'm sobbing. <laughs> yeah. 
And then at the foot of the grave, there is this little head, this little stone, and it is Kiki, that little boy's beloved cat. Oh, that's too sad. So when he, the cat died, the mother buried the pet with with the little boy. I know. Million pieces. I'm crying till I'm throwing up in the cemetery over strangers. Oh, my goodness. But I saw a lot of very cool uh, other graves, which is why I was at this cemetery mm-hmm. to begin with. There was the turning angel that mm-hmm. supposedly follows you. The grave of the little girl who passed away and they buried her in a glass casket. And then her mother had stairs put in so she would go down there when it stormed because the little girl was scared of storms. Ugh. And she would go down the stairs and shut the metal top like a storm cellar, and she would read to her oh and gosh. sing her songs until the storms passed. Mm-hmm. And it's still there, and people go. Holy cow. And leave, oh, Lord. leave dolls and toys and trinkets and candy. So it's just very mm. – there was a – but there's the outside of it, and it oh my shuts. gosh. But and then there's this big tall one where this man was buried in his rocking chair, <laughs> like sitting up in his rocking chair. Wow. And this little spot right here, they had to brick over because it rotted and you could look through the <gasps> hole and see him in his rocking chair. No, 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 no. So anyways, lots of interesting cemetery stories, lots of interesting stories, Ooh. period. Wow. And uh, join the Patreon, and I'm going to... Yeah, we'll have to post those after we do the Patreon. Bring it to Patreon you. so they can see those creepy-looking graves. Yeah, it was a very fun and interesting trip. Oof. So, also, don't drink the porch punch in Mississippi. What is that? <laughs> I think is it's... Is it red? It is. I don't know why. I just assumed it was it's red. red. And I think it's kind of like their Long, and Long Island mm. iced tea. Or maybe, like, Memphis has a walk-me-down. Mm-hmm. It's like all the things... Just a bunch of stuff. With, like, fruit punch and... Mistakes were made. Oh, boy. Can't (laughs) wait to hear about that. Anyways, so this week... We're taking a break. Well, so next week. So this week, we have our True Crime Fest in NWA on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I almost said Friday. Thursday, we're going to be doing trivia at YMU in Fayetteville. And we're going to be posting all the details on our Instagram and Facebook. If you are interested in coming, it's... Thursday, I think it's the, what, 18th? Yes. At 7.30, we're going to be doing trivia, and we think this is good trivia. Like, we've curated these questions. Uh, it's it's awesome. Come hang out with us. Come play trivia with us. Chat it up. So we're not the oldest people in this bar in Fayetteville <laughs> because it's a college town. <laughs> Definitely. That's what I'm, I'm like. These people are going to know the answers. We're too young. Right. No, just kidding. Just kidding. But, yeah, and then it's True Crime Fest. On Saturday in Rogers, we're going to be there. Come see us. Come hang out with us. And then because we're busy planning and doing all this stuff, we will not have an episode next Monday. No. Because we're taking this week to write a case for True Crime Fest that we still have to do. Yikes. We don't don't know what's happening. And talk in front of people. Oh, we don't. I don't want to think about it. (laughs) I don't even want to. Even doing trivia is scary to me. Oh, This part's easy. I get to edit this. That's true. They don't hear me stutter that much, but they will. Well, it'll be fine. <gasps> I'll be very sweaty. Don't it'll, judge it'll me. It'll be good. Don't judge me. Um, I think that's it. So we'll be back in two weeks with Kansas. Yes. And join the Patreon. Yes. 
So yeah, we will be dropping a new episode very soon. Hear all about my sore tails mm-hmm. through the Magnolia State. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.